Blog Talk Radio. joining us again today. Yes, indeed, our first show of the year, and we're opening it up with something very, very special, and that is an ancient practice of yoga, kundalini yoga in particular. And so many people really know about kundalini yoga, or they've at least heard of the very special energy uh, form of prana, form of chi, that can be activated and mobilized through the body and uh, leads to all sorts of brilliant spiritual and emotional experiences when it is activated. And activating it is uh, is an art as well as a science. And there are some people in the world who have become particularly skilled at activating this incredibly important energy. And one of them is our guest today, Karuna, who is a devoted mother as well as a kundalini teacher, daughter, sister, friend, and teacher. And Karuna has been bringing, by the way, the name in Sanskrit means compassion. And uh, for all my contact with Karuna, it's very much uh, something she embodies very powerfully. You'll get a sense of that as the show goes on. She has an unbounded enthusiasm for the work she does. I think of the words of George Burns who said, you know, if you find something in life that you really love doing, you'll never work another day in your life. And that's the feeling I get from the way Karuna speaks about and relates to the practice of Kundalini Yoga. And again, you'll be hearing about that in just a few moments. She is based in Boulder, Colorado, where she teaches a daily group yoga class as well as private lessons, leads weekend intensives there on varying themes, including relationships, women's issues, and mastering challenges. She also leads retreats on an international level. Karuna is also an associate-level trainer in the Aquarian Trainer Academy. She arranges level one teaching training programs and level two teacher training modules in conjunction with lead teachers from the Kundalini Research Institute. So she has taken on the practice in a very powerful way and uh, leads people, as mentioned, across the world through these incredibly important and valuable contributing uh, forms of yoga that are helping to advance 
our own self-understanding, our own energy fields, and shifting the frequencies of consciousness of the practitioners, of her students, in such a way that uh, they become empowered and they can be greater in the activity they engage in the world. So with that introduction, I'd like to bring to you all uh, Karuna. Welcome to A Better World, Karuna. Thank you so much. I don't have anything else to say. You've said it all. (laughs) (laughs) Hardly, hardly. That was such an introduction. (laughs) We're done, we're done. That was such an introduction. Thank you so much. And I I bow to your kindness and, and your own compassion. And so nice to be on your show. The first one of the year, huh? Indeed. What an honor. Indeed, yeah, yeah. Thank well, you. We, we, it's the first one. We actually did one on the 1st of January. It was it was pre-recorded, oh, <laughs> so this is the uh-huh. first live show. Let me oh, put it lovely. that way. So, well, it's just it's, so beautiful. Uh, Thank you. That's the way I like to do things live. You yeah, know? me live too. It's all New about York. the experience. You know, it's the it experience. Is. Exactly, and that way our audience gets to tune in as we're manifesting the energy of the show. And there's just something, it's like going to a concert instead of listening to a CD. You know, listening to a CD ain't bad, it's fine, but when you can get the live thing, there's an energy that is available that's not otherwise. Yeah, it's so beautiful. And you know, as we start every Kundalini Yoga class, we tune in, so if we could, I would love to do that with you and everyone who's listening, because I know a lot are listening that practice Kundalini Yoga, and I think they would say, Karuna, you forgot something <laughs> if I didn't do oh, this. Oh, yeah, so, sure. So if Please, we could uh, just... if you would like, um, why don't you do that? Bring us into oh, um, a tuned-in state here. Okay, I'd love that. So just sit up straight. And everybody put both feet on the ground if you're in a chair listening or if you're on the ground, sit up straight. And take a deep inhale and place your hands in our most sacred prayer mudra at the heart center, thumbs into the sternum, the thymus gland, fingertips up, palms touching. Close the eyes and take a deep inhale through the nose and exhale through the nose. And we'll tune in with the sacred mantra of Ong Namo Gurudev Namo. We bow to the innermost wisdom, the teacher, the creative consciousness within and around us. So inhale, we'll tune in for three times and then we'll be set. Very quick, inhale. Ong Namo Gurudev. I'll place a protection mantra around all of you to your right, behind you, to your left, and in front of you. And together inhale. 
and exhale. Okay, we're there. We can transfer the the goods now. (laughs) It's like uh, we have just sat down in one of your classes and uh, in lotus position, and we are ready to for ready for takeoff. That was beautiful. Thank you, Karuna. Thank thank you. you. Thanks. I'd like to sure. I'd love for you to, for those of our audience that uh, are not familiar with Kundalini Yoga, I would like you, if you would to uh, define it and explain it and how it is distinguished from other forms of yoga. Well, it's yoga and it's meditation, and it's really the experiment of being able to drop into that place at the heart center that gives you a nice physical movement prior to your meditation because one thing that lacks in most physical yogic classes is the meditation and the meditation is why we move the body because so often we forget to meditate and or we forget to move the body so in all these different traditions that we bring into this unlimited amount of experience of a holistic liberating sense of lifestyle and awareness and longing for family and for connection and all that in itself we soon realize that what is it actually that we're doing why are we actually moving this body So Yogi Bhajan came actually on January 5th. He taught his first class in a gym in 1969 in Los Angeles. And Yogi Bhajan is the the master. Okay, is the master of Kundalini Yoga. And by the age of 16, itself a rare feat, gave his first lecture. By the age of 16, he was announced a yogi in India, okay? So by the age of 39, he came to from India to the West because he realized that the West was longing to belong to a certain amount of awareness, a yoga of awareness that would bring them from their turbulent drug culture of the 60s, right? to a place in which they didn't need drugs. They didn't need to be in altered states of consciousness. They needed to express a deeper desire to experience this holistic, liberating sense of awareness and this longing for family. And the only way at that, not the only way, but a way, you know, the way at that time in which Yogi Bhajan came from a very wealthy family in India, in Punjab, India, he realized that he had much more work to do. And as Yogananda put it so brilliantly, it was, and Yogi Bhajan also put it so brilliantly, it's like people have stones in their heads. They're so stubborn. They don't, they want you to talk them into doing everything. They're not ready to just surrender and say, I believe. <laughs> or I trust, you almost have to pay them to come to your class. So so what he thought was, I'll come to the West with the science of awareness that works on the glandular system so we can get all the drugs out of the body in that time, at that time. It works on the endocrine system. 
it works on the glands into the place of, you know, an awareness and where we can finally start to sit still. And it'll bring a healthy, happy, wholesome lifestyle to people that are actually householders, living in families, our communities. And it'll bring community together in such a way that they'll have such a lifestyle change because they'll have such a discipline change and a devotion towards a practice that he had to come and give these meditations and this and this yogic practice radically to this type of person in the early 70s that were participating in recreational drugs and doing this is the community that scattered around Yogi Bhajan at that time. So when he said yes to this, he put away all the agreements that he had made with himself in India. He broke open a secret, a path to wellness, and he chose to bring it to America. He started in Canada with $35 in his pocket, and the person that was supposed to greet him at the airport had died the day before. Can you believe that? And so here he is in silken robes and sandals in in Canada with that weather like it is right now in nowhere to go. So the first person he met in the airport said, Sir, may I help you? And he said, Yes, yes, you need to help me. I, you're the person I came to see, <laughs> exactly. So automatically, like we always do, we say yes to those who are coming up to ask if they can assist us or help us. He took them, you know, he took the opportunity because he knew that that person would help him find the others in which to share this practice with. So this is an old 5,000-year-old practice it has ten gurus that goes with it and many more, I'm sure. But we start with the ten gurus that were from Amritsar, India, that built the Golden Temple, built the Guru Granth Sahib, the 1,500 pages of scripture. So there's no living guru in Kundalini Yoga, which is very nice. Because you as just of get now, to... As, since, uh, Yogi as of now, passed. since... No, he was not a guru, and he would never consider himself a guru, which is really nice because, and it's better for us as human beings, because we don't need to bow to anybody but ourselves right now. And in in our mastery and stepping into our mastery ourselves, we need to see that that guru, that light, guru means light, guru means light from darkness to light. We need to see that every time we light that candle within ourselves, we're bringing in our own light and our own awareness that we can serve. So ultimately, it was about service. It was about selfless service called seva. And it was about honoring who we are personally, our authentic relationship to the self. So, so it let's became, do this. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Let's, let's take a step back here because, uh, okay, good. first of all, most people do not really uh, recognize the, <clears throat> the multiplicity of yogas. Uh, for mm. most people in the West, yoga is what the Indians know as hatha yoga. For oh, Americans primarily, 
uh, that is yoga itself. And yoga has come to be, um, should I say, a, a diversion or a, mm-hmm. a bastardization, honestly, in my mm-hmm. worldview, of mm-hmm. uh, what the ancient sacred practices really were. It's become a, a form of aerobics, actually, in many, right. many cases. And right. it's lost its sacred uh, nature, thread, and it's also lost its overall historical context, Hatha Yoga being one of many limbs. Of course, you've got Jnana Yoga and Raja Yoga and Bhakti Yoga, and each of these are, of course, activating different chakras and have different functions, and by the way, also relate to different human types, also at different stages of a person's life. Sometimes an intellectual, right, a scholarly yoga is the thing someone really needs to develop. Other right. times they need to develop more bhakti, which of course is related to the heart and to the sense of devotion. And kundalini yoga is connected to all of these as part of the original body of of teachings, of Vedic teachings that are beautiful and sacred in nature. And yet kundalini yoga also has its own I could say auric field, its own distinction, because it's also moving uh, prana in a a more particularized way for, you know, it's considered to be the accelerated yoga among all of the yogas. And I wish that could you talk to that a little bit? Absolutely. And acceleration doesn't necessarily mean speedy. It means it takes about a year to understand and and um, get good at kundalini yoga, get a good practice, a daily routine, mm-hmm. a devotional routine, and 22 years for hatha yoga. So, you know, it depends on where you're starting. I feel all yogas are great for what they're serving. I'm glad people are addicted to any type of healthy environment and eco environment. <laughs> I'm really happy about that. So they can that. dance yeah. it all and sweat it out. I don't just do it for God's sakes because I want to see your eyes really clear you and know, bright. I, I appreciate that point very much, Karuna, but I will uh, say that uh-uh. uh they should call it dance and they should call it sweating and they should call it by its yeah. proper name. And yeah, by but they won't make as much money. <laughs> Uh, well, there you go. So yeah. what we see is that yoga has been co-opted for other yeah. purposes beyond yeah. what it was set out to be. That, yeah. So it's good to have this conversation to yeah. really kind of air it out, if you will, of yes. some of the commercial interests. And commercial interests in themselves are just fine, but just be honest about it. <laughs> That's the way Absolutely. I feel about it. You know, but I would really and like our audience to recognize and mm-hmm. hear from you the mm-hmm. the real distinction because you know look um, there have been yogis coming from the east for the entirety of the 20th century and actually reaching back into um, the middle and the late uh, 19th century you know right. we've got of course Yogananda is really right. considered to be the first major yogi to come. And there's that beautiful film that just came out awake on his life. It's gorgeous if you haven't seen it. Um, oh, I we'll have seen it. I'm covering it probably on my other show. Great. No, it's, yeah, I it's highly really recommend something. everybody. And then, you know, George Harrison said if you haven't uh, seen it. Vishnu, 
Then there are there's Vishnu Devananda, who is right. Shivananda's student, who is right. a doctor up in the Himalayas and Rishikesh. And uh, Vishnu Devananda also began, by the way, in Montreal in Canada and made his go. way to New York virtually penniless and set right. up there schools you go. and uh, yoga centers all over. So there is a history, a pretty interesting, interesting of migration to the United States, Yogi Bhajan being uh, one of them. And uh, But Kundalini Yoga has its own unique uh, signature. And um, could you explain, I, I'd really like to convey that to our audience, what is the distinction for Kundalini well, we, Yoga among so, the many? So when you do rebirthing in Kundalini Yoga, as it's called rebirthing, because it cuts through the subconscious. If you understand the science and the technology of what we're doing at what specific hour in which we practice, when the sun is rising, when the sun is setting, most powerful times to practice kundalini yoga because it cuts through the subconscious and the subconscious memory is what holds us back from our mastery because we're always listening to those tapes from our mothers, from our grandmothers, from our ancestors, and we stop there. <laughs> we hear, it's almost like we hear this little secret angel going, honey, you can't do that. And you're like, say what? You know, like, who said that? It's called super ego. And, and yeah, super ego and super fear. So what it does is it, we break through that fear zone with so, and you know, people are, Tempted to call Kundalini Yoga only breath of fire. It's not only breath of fire. It pumps the lower chakras. So, yes, we work with the seven energy centers deliberately in every class. Every chakra is engaged in every class just by tuning in with this Om Namo Guru Dev Namo. You've engaged all the ten gurus, the ten bodies, soul body, positive, negative, functional mind, only to go up the spine, we start from the base of the spine, up the spine to the heart and become neutral. So when you're in the neutral functional mind, you're non-judgmental, you're not projecting, you're not expecting, and what's going to make you unhappy besides nothing? Because you're no thing, you're just simple. However, yeah. being that simple, what happened with Yogi Bhajan was he developed enormously prosperous companies, 3HO.org, Yogi Tea, Granola Temple blend of, of granola. I mean, he <laughs> developed so many things that they yeah. were, you know, multi-million dollar companies. So mm -hmm. there is a way to be a businessman in a yogic body that actually becomes, you know, very prosperous. So that's the difference of just going into a window of time in your day and just doing a physical yoga practice, sweating a bunch, getting out of there, drinking a ton because you're so dehydrated, as is going into a yogic practice with an awareness that this is going to open me up to my creative consciousness, to my opening to listening to people so I can manifest my company, I can manifest my business world, I can manifest my home and how to speak to my wife or husband or boyfriend or whatnot, my family, my children. And it okay, brings I in get this, it. Yeah, this householder I vibe. Get it. It's, the good news is that <clears throat> a while 
the great gurus of the East were yearning to provide the West with awareness, they were also interested in developing what the West has very well developed that in India they have not, which is material consciousness. <laughs> that may sound funny, but uh, that is what we have specialized in in the West. And we've right. lost track, unfortunately, of our spiritual consciousness. As in the East, they lost track of their material consciousness and maintained only the spiritual. And each one is very out of balance. So there's a beautiful compliment. I, you know, I was uh, studying acupuncture many years ago, Karuna, mm-hmm. and I remember mm-hmm. one of the papers that I wrote was uh, called... Um, uh, East meets West. Who is mm. getting needled? And uh, oh, the whole idea behind that was that um, it always looks like the East is fertilizing the West with its brilliance and spirituality, and we impoverished beings here have nothing to offer. But I completely disagree with that. I think it is a synthesis, a confluence of meeting uh, like two lobes of the brain. And that's what the game really is between the traditions of East and West. It's not one is better than the other. One is empty without the other and not wholly fulfilled in our human mission. So what I'm gathering from you about Yogi Bhajan is that he... He came and he learned our ways as he taught his ways. So he imparted great wisdom and he gathered great wisdom and he wisely combined these into being um, a yogi in the world. And that is an embodiment that is really precious because that is sort of a fulfillment that we're all being called for, called toward, I mean. And Mitchell, just to add something to that awareness is you don't have to be intimidated by kundalini yoga because in actuality, in my classes and on my retreats where I go, we adapt to each and every soul that comes into that room. So you can have an 80-year-old, you know, man with Parkinson's disease that's sitting in the sound current of the gong, and you can have a 25-year-old triathlete, which I have both in my classes, that comes for, you know, because he's in a certain time in his life where he suddenly has a block and he can't run anymore, and he won a medal last year for, you know, his performances, and all of a sudden he's come up against a block. So you can adapt any class, any practice, any retreat to any situation. And as a matter of fact, it's the way you read because your practices in yourself as a teacher is so deeply rooted and prioritized that you get up that early in the morning and do your sadhana practice, that your pituitary and your pineal and everything, your third eye point, your awareness is so awakened that you would never, ever intimidate somebody. So when you said he brought this yoga to the West, now he was a Hatha yogi himself, by the way, in a loincloth in India. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, he was an amazing Hatha yogi, but he realized that that was going to be limited because of this 8 billion that are in this technology world we live in, this material world we live in. He he saw all of this. His teachings are all about today, the Aquarian age, as opposed to 30 years ago. He knew this was happening. And he said it, it, all technology was gonna, going to be obsolete. He has profoundly, in his lectures, which you can find on the KRI.org website, Kundalini Research Institute.org mm-hmm. website, and on my website, Light on Kundalini, I post so many of his lectures and so much of, about the healing and the process and the patience and tolerance it takes to understand this technology that works with the five tattvas, earth, wind, air, water, ether, okay, the ten bodies. I went up to the neutral functional mind, the fourth body, arc lines, auric field, go up and up and up. Because what he said, Yogi Bhajan said, quote, unquote, that we're stuck down below in those lower chakras, those, that insecurity, I need more money, I need, how am I going to pay my bills? What am I going to do here, there? And, and we get stuck in that, and that stifles all our creative consciousness. But when we yeah. gently lift the diaphragm and use the lower chakra, use the navel, and the navel's below the belly button, by the way. It's not the belly button. I, mean, I bet 99% of yeah. people don't even know that. You know, mm-hmm. use that lower, lower, lower soul body, that first chakra, to move up through that negative mind, overcome the positive mind even, because people think, I just need to be a happy girl. I just need a happy face. Well, yes, yeah, smiles help a lot. As a matter of fact, yeah. but we need to become neutral, and then we need to, to speak from our throat chakra through our intuition, our ajna chakra, our sixth chakra in between the eyebrows. All this body stuff that we do actually works for us. I mean, that's why they feel so good after hot yoga because they sweat out all their toxins, and then it's yeah. but but we want to continue. And here's where kundalini yoga comes in and steps into its mastery. If you continue and not use your yoga practice as a window of opportunity, a 90-minute window, you will learn so much. You will get so healthy. You will lose so much fat and weight without dehydrating the body, without looking for you know anything else but your yoga practice it will become so you that you will always have a pot of yogi tea on the stove you will always make your own food you will always drink a green drink because you know it's feeding you on a cellular level so that is really potent in this practice to understand that diet nutrition ayurvedic healing acupuncture massage all those components to your yoga practice and you can do this all yourself i make when i travel mitchell i may i I was at blue spirit doing my retreat they were i'm sure they were wondering where all the honey was going (laughs) but i make my Mm -hmm. own scrubs so you get this fine, you know, you take this finite self and you go and head up to the infinite and you see, oh, 
my life gets so much easier. Everything is easy. I can actually work 15 hours a day and not feel drained, and I can sleep well. We are speaking with Karuna, who is a teacher of Kundalini Yoga here at A Better World with Mitchell Rabin. We're on every Wednesday at 6 p.m. For those of you who know and listen regularly, very glad to have you back. And please take this link from our website, abetterworld.tv, or from the Blog Talk Radio site and forward it to your friends because this kind of knowledge that Karuna is sharing with us is just not so readily available, and it really should be in everybody's inbox. It's just that kind of thing. Also, you can go to our website in order to uh, get on our free newsletter every week that announces our several shows per week, this being one Tuesday afternoons on Progressive Radio Network, Film Hour with Progressive Film Hour with Mitchell Rabin, and A Better World TV every Monday night at 7. And you can get all of those at that very same website. So this show is completely dedicated to the work and life and love of Karunas, which is Kundalini Yoga, and she's educating us all about its finer points and distinctions. So, Karuna, it's really a pleasure to have you on and uh, sharing your thank heart you. with us about oh, something that's obviously so so precious to you. I, I'd like to um, shift into another gear here uh, because, you know, we're looking at a world that is going through a major transition. Uh, mm-hmm. It's very obvious to one and all that uh, the world is becoming more transparent, that the emperor's clothes are uh, really not there at all. And um, we're dealing with uh, high levels of conflict, of um, lower chakra, if you will, um, mm-hmm. kind of conflicts, literally mm-hmm. worldwide. And it's also balanced out by a lot of people who are really very heart-centered, very mm-hmm. open in their mind, and, uh, and whose minds, hearts, and souls are actually very unified and have a, a spiritual discipline or have a spiritual perspective and mm-hmm. are able to be loving and compassionate. And I really actually personally believe that it's very a very small uh, minority of people who are sort of uh, mucking things up for the rest of us. And mm-hmm. we have, I'd say, systemic issues as well, because the kind of consumerist materialist view has in many ways eclipsed um, a deeper view that you are bringing forward. And, of course, here at A Better World, we bring forward every week as well. Um, how do you see Kundalini Yoga? Do you see yogis who are deeply engaged in the practice out in the world actually doing different types of social type of charity or, or engaged oh. specifically in oh. uplifting the, the needy and the poor and the afflicted? What, what is its role in that regard? Well, we we just um we being, you know, our you know, we built such a beautiful community that we don't want to forget anybody ever. And yeah. we're not important, by the way. You know, all of us are just pieces of this incredible puzzle that needs to really decide how can I how can I play my role 
act upon a place in which I can serve and get out in the world. And so inevitably, so many sacred people come forth when you start doing this type of work. And they're always there's so many amazing people in this world that are doing this Taylor Conway on the TED Talks. Go to see his TED Talk. He's talking about, you know, if all your friends put $3.33 a day together for three months, it'll, you know, it'll send $10,000 to Kenya to open up a school. You know, mm-hmm. everything we do is looking to and serve is he part charity. of your community? No. I just learned about him. And so I've been sending so many people to listen to his TED Talks because he's a young entrepreneur and he just, but somebody in my community that I work with all the time, he told me about him. So he's in, you know, he's connecting with him and this is how it goes, like dominoes, you know, it just goes one next 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 person you know comes forth next person comes forth next per- and we start all building this community of like-minded people so i feel as i went to the sands conference and did an experiential this last year in october science and non-duality conference you know we you know doctors indian doctors were dancing in my class doing like the shiva mm-hmm. dance you'd never believe it and as a mm-hmm. matter of fact one of the doctors immediately with his wife signed up for my retreat in costa rica and came to the retreat wrote a testimonial last week that would have blown your socks off in the sense of his family actually is his ancestors are involved with Guru Nanak, our first guru, this humble guru, that wrote 16 volumes of text. And his family just was part of that text, this this man, this Indian man that came. What a divine being he was. And I, honestly, to tell you that he's a pediatrician, he's in Chicago, to drop into a practice like this where it's in his blood, in his ancestral line, but so shoved down his throat that he said, I don't want to have anything to do with it. And then to experience it and think, oh, my God, my whole life is now in service, and now I understand what I've been doing and what I've been hesitant to do and why the resistance. So, you know, we're patient, and we're patient with this process and we're tolerant of this process because look when you start doing this process it and it is a process because it's a prayer and it it, it does you know ask you to go to bed earlier and get up and take a cold shower and and take you know put a big toe in the cold shower is good enough for me and you know and sit down and meditate and and chant i mean chanting oh my god chanting you know it's like do people do that well yeah that opens up the throat chakra that works on the thyroid gland that gets you healthier right just by chanting well so the science of wellness so getting back to your question you know there everything everyone does in tithing right giving back to the community 
building the community, building charities, helping with charities, helping people, help, you know, teaching children's yoga, talking every week, you know, talking to these young kids. They want to know Sanskrit. They want a spiritual name. They're 12, they're 10, they're 8, but they've got it. So the Aquarian child that's being brought up, their parents have a huge responsibility, and it's not so handy for the parent because the parent lives a lot in the old way. Mm-hmm. You know, open the can of, of beans and put it on the stove and serve it, and the kids are going like, right. I'm allergic to that. <laughs> you know? I can't eat that. Let's, let's I can't eat at, this. Let's look at something else. It's not that this isn't uh, important, but yeah. I want uh, to kind of expand uh, an idea that you okay. put forth, which is an ancient idea, an okay. archetypal one, actually, of mm. seva. And oh, different good. yogic traditions have different ways of speaking about it and mm-hmm. performing it. Um, mm-hmm. Some do it by in the householder context, and they mm-hmm. take incredibly good care of mm-hmm. their own family. Others mm-hmm. have a larger sense, a community sense, and communal, and so it expands outward a level to the mm-hmm. community. It starts to become world-centric, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. outside of just oneself and one's own local family. They see themselves in others and others in themselves. So there's a higher level, if you will, of identity, um, mm-hmm. and that calls then upon them and to be of service to, you could say, a higher level. And others even go further, where it's an entire global village that they're looking to be of service to. And because of our interconnectedness these days, largely because of the Internet, uh, we can have that kind of global reach and learn about who needs what, where, when. It's Mm -hmm. a phenomenon that is... Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we're we're still kind of trying to catch up to. And, of course, even beyond that, there's, you know, what Ken Wilber would refer to as the cosmocentric, where we actually kind of even leave the planet Earth in some, you know, level of consciousness while serving the Earth, but even having a toe in, you could say, a larger cosmic perspective. And nice. certainly everything, Karuna, you've been sharing with us shows that as we move up the line of the chakras, um, not excluding, and I think this is a really important point, that we're not excluding the lower chakras, like there's something wrong with no, them. No, we need God those. God gave like, us those as much as God yeah. gave us those as he gave us everything else. It's, it's, but it's transcending and including, if it's you will. Balance. And building, balance. building up the energy toward the mm-hmm. higher ones, right, and balancing mm-hmm. the energy of mm-hmm. all of them. So mm-hmm. I'd like to hear you talk about the notion of seva as it shows up in the Kundalini community. Oh, thank you so much for this opportunity to share about seva. It's my work. Um, It's the most important part of my job because as a yoga teacher and as my mentors have always said, you know, we're not here to make money off of people. We're here to make money for people and for the people at large. And, you know, we've just... And we've just, um, the community's gone to India and really upgraded the orphanages in India. And we've, you know, I've I've visited India seven different times, seven different occasions for teacher training or whatnot. 
and really the seva link to that is serving the you know serving the poor and serving the sadhus and serving those that have less than in our own here's the thing I think we get, as Americans, get intimidated by seva because we see we can't do what we wish we could do on a huge level on a, in a, with a huge amount, so we don't mm-hmm. do anything. We get stifled. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I say, start from you. Get you in shape. Get your soul in shape. Get your heart in order. Get everything out there and do small, little bits of seva. I dare yeah. you to go clean someone else's toilet that you don't know. You know like that? So when you do yeah. those kind of jobs, you find that it's mm-hmm. universal, that it's just like we're just washing the dishes of, as Ken Wilber put it, the cosmos. We're washing up, you know, what the stuff is that we need to cleanse in order to get to the place in which our little dollar to that little homeless person will serve and i've always loved the idea of it's none of our business where the money goes just give it mm-hmm. it's none of our business if that alcoholic is going to take your dollar off the street and go buy a bottle of beer it's none of our business you serve and you serve more and more and you start getting bigger and bigger at your service and this is what i mean about the three dollars and 33 cents so our community in its global community, you know, we're all over the world. I mean, and all over Europe and all oh, over... Oh, God, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, encountered, mean... I encountered 3H Karuna back in, uh, shoo, originally 1990. Interestingly, in um, <clears throat> Tioga, Texas, uh, wow. that may have been one of the first places, a very remote place. I was teaching on a retreat with Gary Knoll, in fact, in 1990 mm. or 91, yeah. although I think yeah. I met a first in uh, New York. But in the mid-90s, I had a girlfriend who, I told you, sang for Yogi Bhajan out in New Mexico during one of the summer retreats, and she was completely thrilled. And she really brought me into that community for uh, for a year or two. And I I had a ball in it, frankly. At it, uh, the people were so loving and wonderful, and uh, oh, I enjoyed good. the practice very much. I, I myself am much uh, more of a, a Taoist and a Buddhist, but mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. during the time, it, it's all dovetails. There's a, a beautiful convergence between them all, but when I was doing the Kundalini Yoga, I felt very very energized by it, and I love the community. So I know what you mean. I know it's a worldwide community. There's so much good that has been generated from that community into the world, and you're obviously uh, playing a lead role in helping that happen all the more and keeping it going. Listen, we're actually out of time, but I want you uh, to tell people, if you would, about what your activities are coming up here in New York and elsewhere, if you'd like. Grab a moment and uh, share with oh, us those Thank you details. so much. Well, always, you know, I always want to share with Co- about Costa Rica because Costa Rica at Blue Spirit um, Resort is a divine experience, and I encourage people to take their time now to come down and join us in December. It's from December... 12th through the 19th this year and it's why because it's an experience in which people can dive into and pare away and peel away and go out 
brilliantly brand new. So I, I encourage that, and my website is, you know, has all the details and all the rooms and everything at every level of and price. And your website is? Uh, light, L-I-G-H-T, on, O-N, Kundalini, K-U-N-D-A-L-I-N-I.com. And the, you'll find many different lectures and videos. And I put on, um, you can go there also and look at these three-minute mor- morning videos and do a, a class with me in the morning. And you can do full-on nice. classes with all my teachers that are listed there as well that I shot the videos of live classes. So you can get the energy of a live class because oh, that's good. important. Yeah, so we want to do yeah. that. And, and what are you doing in New York? And in New York, we have postponed um, because we have lost a community member recently. And so my, yes, very sad story. He tripped in Mexico and hit his head. And so he left the planet. Having served Sadna that morning, two and a half hour practice, he led that morning. And he led so many retreats, not retreats, but he led so many beautiful beings into oneness into wholeness and he's 25 years old Hari Simran so we're holding so I've chosen to hold space for him Ajit Kar was coming with me to do these two events in New York so I've chosen with Ajit Kar to let's just hold the space for this beautiful being who's transitioning Hari Simran okay. Singh, and um, okay. and not ask for more people to come, but to hold that space for him. Okay. And well, why don't we uh, just dedicate this show then to his oh. honor? Oh, I think thank that would you. be appropriate. Of yes, course. Yes, thank I'm sorry. you so I met so him, much. I yeah, think that would well, be a beautiful and appropriate thing here. Well, I so appreciate that, and thank you. And they've yeah, all absolutely. been in Virginia doing his incredible cremation and okay. incredible ceremony. Yeah. So it's all beautiful. Yeah, thank you for all that, right. Mitchell. Well, so appreciate absolutely, that. Absolutely, Karuna. Well, listen, thank I want to thank dear. you also for the good work that you're doing. It's oh, really pioneering, that. and it really is a beautiful service to our planet. I so appreciate that, and thank you so much for having me on the show. My pleasure. Really great. God bless. Good, Corona. Bye-bye now. Thank you, dear. Bye-bye. So that was a really beautiful education. Uh, I hope you got that as much as I did. I really uh, was illumined by her sharing. I also want to just thank uh, my dear friend and colleague, Kurt Johnson, who uh, originally recommended Karuna for A Better World Radio. And a real shout-out to Kurt for the incredible work that he's been doing. And he went through the Costa Rican uh, training uh, that Karuna was sharing with us, and he had an amazing experience there. He was sharing with me and uh, a group of us. So I know firsthand upfront and personal about some of the effects that occur when someone is as disciplined as the kundalini yogis uh, invite people to be through the early morning practices and then again at twilight as Karuna was sharing. Uh, Kurt was sharing with me uh, just how powerful that was. So 
Yes, balance is the game, folks. It is between the uh, spirit and the material and finding our way between them. And thankfully, there are more and more people who are feeling called to bring in and invoke their own higher nature uh, into a world that looks like it is just uh, swimming, if not drowning, in a consumerist mindset. And I think people are beginning more and more to perceive its emptiness. It's uh, it's a journey. People have to go through the material, it seems, in order to come out the other side. Some people can see more clearly early on and not have to go the entire track. And this is not a denun- denunciation whatsoever of our beautiful material world at all. It is all, from my point of view, God-given for very real, very beautiful purposes. It's rather a balance and striking that balance between these elements of materialist and consumerist and uh, spiritual and understanding that there's a place and time to be all of them. And uh, that's the game we're playing, is that game of balancing these elements. So, well, I just want to thank Karuna yet again, lightonkundalini.com for that education. It's beautiful. And she represents an entire number of people who have set out on their own spiritual individual paths that are really collective ultimately in nature uh, that are serving our planet in many ways that are sometimes visible and sometimes invisible, sometimes feeding the quantum field in a way that is not necessarily so identifiable, but the intent of people like Karuna and my dear friend Kurt and many of us on this kind of path who are intending well for all sentient life are serving the higher good in ways that um, sometimes it takes a while to manifest. But indeed, we keep investing our our pennies or sometimes shekels into that world, into that larger void of a pot that... Uh, higher cosmic consciousness and by so doing and walking step by step on earth are really making a profound difference in the way things and life show up here for us all if we stay committed to this path and open up our hearts to its vibration i think there's a lot of good even when things are looking dim to show up and uh, we can really break through to this notion of a sixth epoch, sometimes referred to as Shambhala, the kingdom of Shambhala, and to just be very grounded about it, uh, we're moving toward our higher levels of prefrontal cortex developments, really quite plainly spoken, um, out of the reptilian cold-blooded mindset, which has really gripped our uh, humanity for so long and uh, breeds a kind of control issue and fear issue and acquisitional nature. And, you know, science these days shows that it's actually addictive. It shows up on our EEGs and PET scans and the like as having the same effect as cocaine in the brain. And I think it's really important to see that some of these behaviors that are considered 
business as usual are actually very, very detrimental uh, addictive behaviors that have been lauded by our somewhat confused society. And we have the ability to identify these as truly addictions, to be greedy, to be overly acquisitive, to be overly interested in self, and to break those habits and move on to, uh, as I was saying before, a, a world-centric view where you are included. Don't you worry. You will be included. You are included. But the game isn't only about you. The game isn't just about me. The game is about us. And it's a win-win. It's a bigger game. More people are stepping into that that water, that field. And uh, here at A Better World, of course, I have invited you all, by definition, into that space, into that field. So uh, please remember that uh, we do take donations at abetterworld.tv. We are slowly but not that slowly, morphing into a 501c3, so your donations will be tax deductible. Uh, this is the way we manage to persist and sustain to be of service to all of you. And we love when you give feedback here at my email address directly is mjr at abetterworld.net. My initials mjr at abetterworld.net. And visit us at abetterworld.tv. And for the work that I do with individuals and groups, you can go to triple uh, w dot. That's old fashioned at this point, isn't that funny? MitchellRabin.com. MitchellRabin.com. My work as a holistic psychotherapist, uh, biofeedback practitioner, stress management consultant, and uh, group leader. So thanks so much. By the way, talking about groups every Thursday, every other Thursday night, including this one, uh, we will have our Heaven on Earth classes in uh, downtown Manhattan from 7 to 9. For more information about attending, simply just contact me at 212-420-0800. That's 212-420-0800 or at that same email address, mjr at abetterworld.net. Let me know of your interest and I'll give you the information. It's also embedded in our weekly newsletters. So with that, I want to thank you all so much for listening. Uh, Pass the word around. I love it. It's getting all over. Uh, Visit our Facebook page, Better World TV Show. Uh, We're on Twitter. What is it? Uh, A Better World Web, I believe it is, is our handle and Mitchell Rabin on Facebook as well. And I look forward to seeing you all next week.